What's up, guys? Welcome to episode seven of the High Burst Podcast. Again, it's your host, Jerry D. We're going solo again, but I'll make sure next week that we actually have someone on. Probably going to be my brother that's going to sit down here and chop up some horn and stuff with us. But updates on that's been going on in my life personally. I just got swamped up in a couple of stuff after the New Year's resolution pod that we did about the Hornets and some of the things that they needed. But we're back here. We got to build some consistency here. So most recent things that's been going on with the Hornets as of late. They beat the defending NBA champions in back-to-back games. And that's big time because obviously we all know that the Milwaukee Bucks are one of the teams that are viewed to be a title contender, somebody that could possibly repeat. Who knows? uh, I don't know how many people actually think that, but there's definitely a good chance that they could. Uh, Giannis Dutacumbo is is the MVP candidate every year. The guy's a freak, right? Then Chris Middleton, you know what he brings to the table. Good secondary option on your team that can give you 25 a night if he wants to. Then, of course, Drew Holiday, who's just probably the best perimeter defender on the squad. Good, steady playmaker. Good, steady scorer. Give me about 15 to 16 points a night. I'll take that point guard on a championship team like the Bucks. So, for the Hornets to come away with not one win, but two, both at home, of course, at Spectrum Center. So, maybe it's expected, maybe it's a little more anticipated, but a lot of people think that the, the Hornets are just going to roll over, that Giannis is going to come in there and just destroy them. And don't get me wrong, he did. First game, he put up 40-plus. I believe it was 43 points. He he killed the Hornets, but the Bucks lost the game, and the Hornets handled the late time clutch situation a lot better just scoring timely baskets in the fourth quarter with what we've seen with going on with the Hornets all season long they tend to fold in those big time games especially against the opposing team star especially if the star is a big man he eats up like you know Mason Plumley, PJ Washington or Nick Richards whoever's out there guarding a center or power forward that's that's a superstar on the squad they've they gave us the business and that's just me being real with it but Came out on top in the first game. It was it came down to the wire. Second game again, back to back. It came came down to the wire again. Except Lamelo this time just hit a ridiculous floater over to the outstretched defense, just trying to stop it from getting there. And he was off balance after the press conference. Press conference. He even said that, you know, I take floaters all the time. I've been taking them my whole life ever since he was a kid. He referenced playing with with his older brothers, obviously Lonzo, Leangelo, and just bigger guys in general in their age group, not his own. So. He's always played against taller guys, so that shot was routine for him, and he made it look spectacular. It was all over Sports Center. It was awesome. Uh, but again, tough team to beat there in the books. And really, in early in the season, we've seen them lose momentum. We've seen them lose some traction, uh, just trying to get back to like bounce back after not getting too much of a big hit, I should say. After taking a win away from the defending NBA champions, you would have thought they would have probably slacked off a little bit, but they followed it up by beating one of the other best big men in the league in Joel Embiid. And beating Philadelphia on Wednesday night, January 12th, is is another impressive win because not only is that three big-time wins over, you know, playoff contenders from last season and pretty damn good teams, Philly came in 7-0 and in their, their last seven out, and Joel Embiid has dropped 30-point games in all of those games. And he dropped 31 again against against the Hornets, but that was a tough 31 points. They made sure they tried to push him out the paint and double up as they should, just like how they played Giannis the other night. So Giannis's first game, he dropped 43. In his second game, he dropped 26. That's an improvement. And then you get Joel Embiid, similar type of build, not really same play style, but just another dominant big man. 
but may may not be as mobile as Giannis, obviously, but still being able to slow him down and just making him take tough shots. You, you just got to live with the amazing Dirk fadeaways and ridiculous jump hooks. And obviously you're not going to really stop him going to the basket. So it's a huge team effort. And I think the Hornets did a great job in just trying to slow him down and make it hard on him. Again, 31 points. He can't really, can't really hang your hat and be like, we did a great job on him, but they kind of did. They, they made sure everything was as tough as possible. And Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey, guys that have been hot for this Philly team, they fell short. And big kudos to the Hornets, you know, for also snapping a 16-game losing streak to the Philadelphia 76 or so. That's dating all the way back to 2016. So it's awesome to see them overcome that, that ridiculous streak because nobody wants to have, you know, that's like real estate inside your head, practically. So I'm, I'm really proud of the Hornets and what they accomplished especially because like we hash it out all the time on this pod where you probably hear me say just people James Borrego and the rest of the team always say we have poor first first half starts first quarter starts to be exact and our defense is always lacking and the first half of this game the score is 34 to 35 Philly was leading by one point to end the first quarter second quarter came Charlotte pulled away also Gordon Hayward didn't miss a single shot in the first half he went nine for nine at 22 points a perfect nine for nine from the field one of the better games I've seen him play as a Hornet, despite him may actually having bigger scoring games. He was real efficient, made smart passes, and it all started on the defensive end of the ball for him. Actually crowding the bead when it had to, making Tobias Harris shots tough, taking the challenge of guarding some of those quicker guards like Maxi. So big shout out to, you know, to G, one of the leaders on the team, Gordon Hayward. He did his thing last night and he finished with 30 points and the Hornets needed every bit of it. And of course, they... Miles and Gordon both addressed the the 16 game losing streak and Gordon just to sum up his quote really just was really just saying, you know, it's cool. We're all happy and excited for today, but they got another one come Friday against Orlando magic. So got to turn your attention to that and just refocus and pretty much the same thing for bridges. And whenever he bridges was asked though, if this game was like a statement, because now they beat Philly, they beat the bucks twice. And then overall in their last eight games, they're six and two. So he was asked if it was a statement game for, for like the rest of the Eastern Conference to let him know, like, hey, we're coming. And, you know, he kept it humble. He was like, it wouldn't even really call it much of a statement. He's more focused on their growth and how they're, they're moving throughout this Eastern Conference. Now they're sitting at 23 and 19. That's breaking space away from teams like the Atlanta Hawks, the Boston Celtics, the New York Knicks. Now they're trying to, set themselves apart, put themselves in, in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference, trying to get in that sixth range so they don't have to worry about a playing tournament. Moving on from those two games, the next big news that's been out for the past couple of days uh, has been P.J. Washington, actually. Now, Washington missed a little bit of time due to COVID and stuff like that, but he's played pretty damn well this season, and he's been a good small ball five for the team, Had a lot of makes a lot of good defensive plays, can hit a spot of three, even on a moving three. Like the man plays hard and I like his energy. I like his determination, but he has been the one piece that is tradable from this young core. And if you look at the rest of the team, it kind of makes sense. Uh, you, you're definitely not going to trade, you know, Lamella ball is untouchable, obviously. Uh, Miles Bridges has shown that he needs to be considered in that untouchable route as well, being that he's averaging a little under 20 points a game in the most improved player uh, running right now. And you know, his game meshes so well with what the Hornets want to do and just get out and run a transition 
big play dunks, obviously, but now he's become a good spot up shooter, a good like on the movement type of shooter in the mid range and stuff like that. You like his little high post game where he's able to spin off of either shoulder, hit turnarounds. Like I love Miles Bridges' game, so he's pretty much an untouchable at this point himself. Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward are key veterans for the team, so those core four of players right there, you're probably not going to move them like unless you get a real like well minus Lamelo. Those three, you're probably not going to move them unless you get a deal that just knocks your damn socks off. And I don't think anybody's going to throw anything too crazy at them. But PJ Washington is the guy that would be moved. And from all the rumors, I I'd say yeah, I agree with that. If it's for for a big time center like like Miles Turner or somebody of the sorts, or one of those Cleveland bigs, maybe even like Evan Mobley's probably an untouchable, but Jared Allen becomes available somehow, or even even Laurie Markkinen, you know, for for the sake of shooting, but I might keep P.J. Laurie. But for the sake of just like finding a true seven-footer that you know is going to be serviceable serviceable for you, because Mason Plumlee is just a, a placeholder at this position right now for the Hornets. He's not really somebody that's going to be there long-term, so... If you package PJ and, and Mason in for something, I wouldn't be too mad at it. As long as it's like for a player of Miles Turner's caliber or his type of mold, I, we, they need a shot blocker. And if Miles Turner became available or even Sabonis, if the Pacers are willing to pry, pry, let us pry one of them off of them, I'd take either one over PJ. It's, it's just facts. And they're able to space the floor. Sabonis might not be much of a shot blocker, but he could be a black hole. That, that can just score easy from the inside. And you like his ability to stretch the floor as well. So pretty fluid big that I'd love to see in, a, in the purple and teal. Miles Turner, shot blocking, three-point shooting big. It, it fits this new NBA scheme perfectly, especially with the Hornets always playing small, having uh, PJ at the five. So having Miles back there would be a major upgrade. And I, I personally, I don't know any of the other uh, teams that might be interested right now. Maybe even John Collins from the Hawks, because I know the Hawks are trying to unload him. They just unloaded Cam Reddish for practically nothing. Uh, as I don't care what anybody says. Kevin Knox, Cam Reddish aren't. They're not comparable. But yeah. Anyway, focusing on Charlotte here. There, there's a couple pieces that could be out there that that could be interesting for the Hornets to actually scoop up and make a part of the roster. And it is high burst, so you know it's very quick, very just quick updates. Unless there's a guess. So the last topic for today that I want to touch on, I haven't seen anything trending on Twitter about it, but it just popped in my head. Could James Borrego actually be the coach of the year? Let's let's put this into perspective now. Like 23 and 19 is I, I seen a graphic yesterday about about the Hornets starts at this point in the season at the halfway point. 23 and 19 is his best his best start in four years with the team. Now, we know that could improve. Let's think about this. Lomelo, possible all-star next uh, next month here, come February, heading to Cleveland. I think that should be a lock. I think he's one of the better Eastern Conference guards. Miles Bridges, most improved player. Uh, that's a testament to the Hornets system. Really good player. Another guy that could be an all-star potentially. I don't think it'll happen, but you never know. The rest of the squad has improved steadily year by year ever since Borrego got there. He, he ended the Kemba Walker era. He had him for, for a year or two, ushered in a new a new regime, drafted LaMelo Ball. Now everything's coming together. You got the franchise piece that you needed in LaMelo to bring everything together. Your schemes and stuff for the first four years, uh, personally, I, I thought they were terrible. You know, com- coming from the San Antonio system, 
uh, Borrego might have thought that he could just make ball movement the main staple, which is great. It's a great it's a great saying to, to input. Move the ball to get the not the good shot, but get the better shot. That's awesome. They didn't have the personnel for that. So the ball movement was awesome because they didn't have a star, but they couldn't put up points. They 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 were terrible. If we're just being honest here to, to keep it frank. Um, but now watching them and obviously having a pretty damn good squad and the guys that I mentioned earlier, but also Cody Martin is on the team. Kelly Uber is on the team. Jalen McDaniels has stepped up. Everybody's improving. So I think the player development program in Charlotte is one of the better ones in the league. You just got to give it time. And I'm glad Charlotte actually extended him to let him keep working through the kinks. And now he has a team that can actually compete. And I think Borrego probably deserves some praise here. He might not be, you know, the one seed in the East. He might not even be a favorite or a top five candidate for the position. But I think some consideration should be there. Uh, the fact that they're 23 and 19 right now says a lot about where this team was, came from, has came from over the years. Now, personally, I think Taylor Jenkins with Memphis will probably win the award because Memphis is obviously like, I think they solidify themselves as a legit championship contender from how they play, their style of play, and obviously John Morant, MVP candidate, hands down. But maybe James Regal should be a finalist especially depending on where where the Hornets finish out the season. It's going to be something interesting to watch. So just make sure you keep an eye on that. I don't know where he'll finish, if he, even if he gets any votes or considerations. But it's something that I want to say I started. <laughs> so let's just keep an eye on that. Again, this is High First. Glad to have chopped it up with you guys for a little bit, even though it's a short time. And we're going to try to have a guest on next week. Make sure you tune in.